set those targets that are just stretched. Because if you aspire to achieve that far target, you will make inroads in getting towards that target. You might not get there, but you'll make inroads to it. If you just accept what you're comfortable with now as acceptable, then you will just pretty much stay there. Hello and welcome to Run the Business, the podcast that explores the place where running and leadership come together. We'll find out how running can help us with leading, connecting with people, and generally being better in business. We'll also try and answer that question, do runners make better leaders? I'm Anthony Gay, and today I'm joined by a CEO who started his career as a GB bobsleigh athlete. After an injury stopped his Olympic dreams in 2014, he had to pivot into doing something else, which led him to work at Race Nation and Sports Giving, where he went on to become CEO in 2021. Will Golder, welcome to Run the Business. Thanks very much for having me. Great to be here. How are you today, Will? I'm very well, thanks. Very well. It's the uh, spring seems to be in the air, although the cold snap might be on the way again. But um, yeah, very well, thanks. Nice to be uh, nice to be out talking all things running and business. And whereabouts are you in the world, Will? Based down on the south coast, just outside of Brighton. Okay. Uh, question that we always kick off, run the business with is, when did you last go running? When were you last out? <laughs> no pressure. Actually, whether it's because of this podcast or not, I actually went out for a bit of a plod around the block this morning, um, probably to answer that question. But at the same time, um, it's I always like at the moment just to try and get out whilst the mornings are fresh, just for, for a, a less than 5k plod um, as, as soon as I get up, really just to uh, start that fresh fresh start. Okay. Firstly, to set things up, tell, tell us a little bit about what Race Nation and Sports Giving do. Yeah, sure. So Race Nation Sports Giving is uh, an online registration platform for mass participation events. So it's the event management platform that a lot of event organisers in the UK will use to manage their whole event, as well as then Sports Giving being the integrated fundraising platform. And it was really founded back in 2014 for for two reasons. One, the two founders realized that they were working for a charity, putting on their own events. And they realized that there wasn't all the tools that they needed online as they were transitioning from a paper-based system to, to, to digital. There wasn't the event management platform that they needed to be able to help them to sell all of their tickets, manage their waiting lists, their ballots, and, and, and everything they needed for their event day online. But then they also, because they were a charity, realized that that there was a lot of places to be able to raise money and fundraising for charity online, but there was nothing integrated into their journey. So Race Nation Sports Giving was actually founded by them to to solve that problem and, and a bit of a disjointed journey between registering for an event and then creating a fundraising page. And, and how it works with us is when the charity part is enabled, as an entrant signs up to an event, we can ask which charity they would like to raise money for. And then we will automatically create that fundraising page. So just really solving that disjointed journey so the user doesn't have to go off and set up a fundraising page somewhere else. Because we all know, especially in, in current times, time is time is precious. Uh, and so anything that we can do to integrate that journey and, and smooth it out was uh, exactly the founding reasons and, and why we've had success over over the last few years. And it must give you quite a holistic view of mass participation sport to to be, uh, you know, in terms of what Race Nation does, you, you must sort of see the direction of travel and, and understand stuff on on a level that not many people do. Absolutely, yeah. And a um, good example of that is I was asked at uh, a recent conference to stand up and, and give a bit of insights into data, data in the running industry and, and in the event industry in and around 
what the consumer and, and what entrants are up to. And so, yeah, we get to see a, a really great picture of all of that working now with over four and a half thousand events. We get to see a really good matrix of data and booking habits and what users are up to. And it's particularly interesting. It's sometimes a little bit scary when you dip into that again in, in recent times going through COVID into a into a cost of living crisis, you, you get to see a, a lot of uh, consumer habit in and around the event industry and fundraising industry because of sports giving too. And do you think people are are running more now than they were before COVID? I mean, can you can you see a sort of path there? Yes. So some some interesting stats running you through from how we see our data at the moment is number one, entrants are leaving it later than ever to book a race. And book and to take part in an event, and I think that's down to, to a number of reasons. And I think first and foremost, there was a lot of change went on during COVID, where events were cancelled or postponed or deferred, and dates were changed. And therefore, part of that was that some entrants lost out quite considerably on on bookings and now can't take part in the rearranged dates. And and although we're probably out of a lot of those changes and deferrals, there was still an impact on the industry where the consumer and the entrant lost out. Uh, and so therefore, by it's, it's, it's a bit natural that the entrant now leaves it a little bit later to book where they can guarantee they can either turn up or they can guarantee the event is going to take place. And so at the moment, that's one trend that we're seeing. Previously, pre-COVID, we would, would see a bit of a cycle where uh, on average, the average number of days before an event that an entrant would book would be anything from 200 days towards the end of the event season. So, you know, we're talking October, November, when people are looking ahead into next year's events and what they want to take part in. They're booking early because they're making the most of early bird prices and, and things like that. And then the, the average days would go down and then back up again, to, again, towards the end of that next season. So pre, pre-COVID, we'd see anything from 200 days down to 100 days before an event as an average. Whereas at the moment, we're seeing the average number of days before an event that someone is booking being around 50 to 75 days. And so that's that's one thing we get to see. But to, to answer your question, are people running more? That's the encouraging stat that we are seeing. So there's a lot of data that comes out of our system, but one shows that an engaged entrant, and so that's somebody that made bookings and we had booking history for pre-COVID, that we saw make uh, one or two bookings during COVID on some of the virtual events. And there was lots of that that we did for clients and that we now see booking history for as well. Now that engaged entrant is on average booking more events than ever before. So the people that are engaged are booking more than ever, which is great. The issue is, and, and what a lot of organizers will say is, well, hang on, how can event numbers be down? Some clients down as much as 40, 50% on their numbers. And the answer to that is as much as the engaged user is doing a lot more and, and doing more than ever, there's also a lot of people doing absolutely nothing. And again, it's it's data insights like that that allow us to also help our clients by being able to say, look, it's worth looking at your data and we can help them model that in certain ways to find those entrants that they previously had within their data sets and within their bookings that they now don't have. And being able to find those, if they can engage them again, the chances are our data is showing that they will book more than ever. Can you give us a flavour of some of the events that, that you support with, with Race Nation? And, and, and I'm kind of curious to understand if, if you get to attend some of those bigger events as well. 
Yeah, so uh, anything, uh, ra- full full range of spectrum of, of the industry, really. Quite heavily within running, but also within the triathlon, duathlon, lots of swimming, lots of walks. We've got some, some very specific features for, for checkpoint management within walks. And so we have the full range of events within it, ranging from 10 people up to 10,000 plus. And so we're very fortunate, again, from that data set side to be able to be, uh, model that across across from, from, from there. Yeah, look, I try and attend as many as I can, but with technology is a, is a busy space in itself and the team actually gets out to a number of the events, whether they're a client of ours or not, to be honest. Even though I'm based down here on the South Coast, Brighton Half this weekend, it was great to get out there. We've entered it as a corporate team before because it's just such a great local event with, with thousands of people spectating and, and thousands of people taking part. And that's one of the things that we, we've talked about with other guests on the podcast is around the energy that you get at these events and being able to tap into that 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 you know spirit that uh, is at these places. I mean, it, it must it must be quite powerful for you and your team to sort of be at these events and and feed off some of that energy. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think you know our, our team is made up of of a lot of different individuals from developers through to customer service account managers through to business development and sales, and and all of those individuals have have a different impact on the business for what they deliver day to day, but they all have a common goal. And that common goal for us is to really streamline and make the job of the event organizer as easy as possible to manage their event online and for the entrant to raise as much money as they can for charity and book as many races as they can very easily. Um, and so by being able to take some of our developers to these events that have 10, 20,000 people there, they can stand on the sideline and see all of the runners going past them. And actually they can stand there and I, I say it to them, I say, look, every single one of these people has touched your code and used what you've built. And it just gives that different perspective with regards to when they're sat at their desk. Um, and the, the buzz that you get on event day from the crowd, from the competitors, it gives that added element of support for them in their role for when they're making decisions um, on behalf of the business because they they have to make decisions every day and seeing it firsthand but seeing the passion and the energy that comes from it they can take that back to their desk and their work and and really bring that into some of the work they do to for for what they might do next within the code or features or or anything really that's really powerful and and that technology that you mentioned must have changed enormously over the years. I mean, I, I remember, you know, doing runs not that long ago, actually, where you were attaching sort of chunky things to your, to your shoes and, and, and all that kind of stuff. To sort of describe to us where you think the technology is at now. And is there, an, is there another place that we're going to go to? I mean, you guys are at the, the cutting edge of it. What's, what's the next sort of phase of, of running event management and timing and that kind of thing? It's going to be really, really interesting. Even... I would say short term this year, let alone a few years. And look, when Race Nation was founded, the client that they were transitioning was would would have probably been some of it been paper based. So you use a paper based systems or forms, maybe an Excel spreadsheet here and there. And the transition was to get them to online registration. Whereas now the challenge is to get a client to switch from one entry platform to another because of the features that we do. So we're we're now switching clients from technology to technology rather than from a paper-based system to online. Um, so that's, that's one of the biggest changes that's happened. But uh, go, going forward, I think what you will start to see is a, quite a lot of consolidation. There's a lot going on in the industry now technology-wise where there is so many 
pieces of technology available to an event organizer that actually arguably we're creating a bit of a disjointed journey again where race nation sports giving was founded to solve that disjointed journey between online entry and fundraising there's now arguably a whole host of technology that organizers are required to use from their project management systems their apps their timing software with their timing provider from the chip timing bibs and there needs to be some sort of integration again and that's what we're working hard on with a lot of our partners and we've got some exciting news coming towards towards the summer and end of the year where we're, we're really looking to work towards that that play to help organizers and make their life easy, as easy as possible sounds interesting and i want to take you back to the beginning now and talk about the bobsleigh part of your life how does somebody become a bobsleigh athlete you know t- take us on that journey explain to us i sometimes ask myself that same question The reality is going right back to my days at school. At school, I was just one of these young lads that loved sport and I would enter the school cross country and I would enter the athletics days. I would enter, I'd be in the football team, the rugby teams. I was just one of those guys that just loved sport. And fortunately for me, I was, I was naturally, I could turn my hands to, to, to most things. And I just grew up around loving sport from there. That was my, my younger years. Like I said, running across country and that side, but actually realized that I could run the hundred relatively quickly. I wasn't setting the world on fire, but for my age and that I was, I could run quick enough. And long story short, it came by a, a chance conversation with a guy that that was in the army who was involved in army bobsleigh. And you know, a lot of people won't realize, but bobsleigh is massively massive in the military as a winter sport. And so they they're very keen on their bobsleigh and. That was predominantly pre-Vancouver, so pre-2010, it was predominantly the main feeder into British bobsleigh. And a lot of the European teams was was the military. And from there, they were looking to really prof- professionalise the sport, bring in a, a larger pool of potential athletes. And so um, myself as a sprinter was approached by this guy and said, hey, look, you, know, you are you were young. I think I was 18, 19 at the time. You can run quite quick, but you're never going to make it as a sprinter because you have to run really quick for that but you're big enough and heavy enough and strong enough, you could probably make a, a good bobsayer from you. And I, I said, look, absolutely no chance, thanks. I'm very happy playing my golf and my cricket, football and rugby. And uh, he said, oh, that's a shame. There's a, a trip going out to Calgary in Canada in eight weeks. I could have got you on that. And I said, well, okay, yeah, never been to Canada before. Can I have a chat? And um, look, from, from there, I went out and found myself in Canada, found myself trying bobsleigh. I was put on the front seat, so I was put in as a driver, and I just really fell in love with the sport from there, came back, was invited to some trials with GB, and as, as, a, as a young athlete, I did quite well at those trials. Again, I, I didn't win everything because I was surrounded by their current Olympic team, but I came middle of the pack, middle of their squad, which for, for a new guy coming in, relatively basic, if, if not zero training for a sprinter. I had some potential, and, and so then they invested in me. They gave me um, what's called an APA, which is like a, an athlete personal award. Um, it's, it's essentially your wage from UK Sport and the lottery. They'd got lottery funding at that point, and that set my career off from, from there where I competed for, for Great Britain, and I had a really great career with it. I loved every minute of it through to 2014, where I broke my heel two weeks before the Olympics, um, had a stress fracture the outside of my calcaneus, and I had to make a very difficult decision. I was 26 at the time, and that decision was really, I had 
I'd achieved what everything I'd wanted to achieve within bobsleigh, been to the world championships, been on the world circuit, the European circuit, competed in lots of amazing places around the world. The missing piece was that Olympic Games. And, and for me, I obviously I'd broken my heel. I wasn't going to Sochi Games. And so at 26, I had to make the decision of whether I spent four years going for the next circuit, the next cycle of, of four years to be able to compete at the next games, but with no guarantee that I would go based on injuries and life and whether I was still at the standard I was at and, and, and everything. So I had to make the decision of whether I commit to another four years or whether I retire and I look to get a, a real job, as I say now. And I made that decision. It wasn't easy, um, but I made that decision to retire in, in, in January 15. And fortunately for me, it was one of the best decisions I made because I found Race Nation a few weeks later. I joined them when they were a young, young enough business with, with a great technology and backing. Uh, and then have helped them grow it and became part of it ever since. Where was your head at when you you made that change, or, or when you know you realised that you weren't going to be going to the Olympics? How how because something we talk a, a lot about on this podcast is is resilience and and dealing with setbacks. Mm. And I, I'm kind of curious to understand how that transition went, and then finding that next opportunity sounds like relatively quickly. Was was that due to you having a certain mindset that you were carrying forward or, or I don't know, how, how do you, how do you explain it? Yeah, I, th I think, look, as, as athletes, we're wired up to be told that we're, we're not good enough and we need to be better on a daily basis. And, and that's not from, from any sort of nastiness or anything from coaches. It's just the point of making us better. Now, in business and in the corporate world, you, you manage them to do things slightly differently. But for, for me, that initial, I actually felt at the time, being honest, that I was absolutely fine and that the transition from sport to, to the working world was absolutely fine. But actually, on, on reflection, when I look back at it now, I went into, and as you say, I joined Race Nation after just a number of weeks. I think it was about four weeks. And on reflection now, I look back at it, and I don't think I was overly okay with, with that initial transition because I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning and doing my same training session that I would have done as a full-time athlete before work, going to work, working my day, really excited about Race Nation and the passion and energy within there. And then I'd finish work and at half five, I'd find myself back in the gym completing the session that I hadn't finished mm. until it got to a point where I was in the gym one morning and I, I said to myself, what are you doing? You know, what? you're sat here, you're not getting paid to be here. Yeah. I was tired, I was hungry, I was, and, and uh, I thought, right, okay, actually this, this needed to change. So on reflection, you know, and, and then I stopped. And that was the thing. So, so the transition, it didn't affect my life or, or working or anything like that. It was just a bit, it was more challenging than I think I realized. But actually, again, I think going to that athlete mindset is, is we get it done. And that's really what I try and bring into my life today. You know, we're, we're all faced. And actually, my, my, the chance of me getting into bobsleigh was by taking an opportunity. And, and that's what I think I really try and bring as much as I can to our team today is that aspect of seizing our opportunities and getting it done. Because resilience is a very, very important factor in, in the sporting world, but even more so in the business world and, and especially in today's day and age and, and in particularly within the, in the running in the event industry, because going through a global pandemic and coming out on the other side of it to go straight into what is the, the Ukraine war 
with with a, a cost of living crisis, our industry has has had everything that probably could be thrown at it thrown at it. And so that's not just from us as a business. That's actually our clients, the event organisers, the the, the organisers that are putting these events on day in day out, the charities that are are putting so much resource behind supporting the events in in return for the fundraising. They're the ones that have been thrown everything, and so the resilience goes right the way through. And and the features, the technology that we build, our day to day teams that we have, and even up to our investors and, and shareholders, everybody has that resilient part to play. If that makes sense, because they all bring something to the table which allows us to support the organizer in remaining resilient in themselves and not giving up. Um, and I think that's that's really where it comes from 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 all of this. And I'd love to talk more about those events in a, in a second. Just just to sort of finish with the the bobsleigh side of uh, your life, what makes a good bobsleigh athlete? And is there a a highlight from that that time that you can? share with us uh, just to just to wrap that up yeah good bobsleigh athlete um there's there's a number of different positions in the four-man sled so you've got the driver at the front so the driver has to be uh the guy that's in first in the four-man um reaction times um having a clear head being able to survive under pressure and really get the sled down on, on all four runners as the driver and then the guys in the back obviously incredibly strong powerful units that can run fast but are also very heavy because being a gravity sport the heavier you are the faster you go down a hill and there's a a lot more technicalities that go into it but a, a good bobslayer really is a very very fast sprinter but whilst being heavy and powerful at the same time and, and so we had a few a few man mountains within our crews that that were just awesome to get that sled moving at the start jump in and then really hold on and, and pray that someone like myself as the driver would get them down on all four runners. The best time I had running the sled was obviously winning the medals, winning a British championship, and really just representing your country all, all over the world. Those were the best times for me. Some of the funniest times weren't always the best times where, you know, the lads used to get getting into a four-man sled with four guys that were probably all at least six foot, six two, all at least probably 100 to 110 kilos each. They're big guys, and getting that into a small confined space was was always entertaining. We we spent a lot of time in the garage, going through that um, and rehearsing that. But when you're running on ice, it doesn't always happen. And so some of the most entertaining times were exactly that, where it didn't quite go well. But again, that resilience and and everything else, they they always worked it out. And as the driver, my job was to get it down, but their job was to really not let me know when something was going on behind the scenes. And sometimes I'd get out at the bottom and see them in all sorts of different positions that they weren't supposed to be in, but I would never know. And it, it did make for, for a few entertaining conversations later on. Do, do you ever have any of those hairy moments that you, you sometimes see on the, uh, you know, the winter Olympic reels of, of sleds sort of going over on the side, that kind of thing? Did, did, did you ever have any scary times? Yeah. Um, I, do you know, part of, winning part of winning the race part of getting the sled down quickly and 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 everything else was actually what we would refer to as searching for the limits and you know again bobsleigh being a gravity sport we had to search and push the limits of of physics really to keep the sled on the fastest racing line without going too far and it tipping over and so we would always search for those limits in training and try different things to see if it worked out quicker and sometimes it didn't work so sometimes you ended up on your head at sometimes in Sam Rich, you're pushing 148 kilometers an hour. 
And again, part of that was getting out at the bottom, making sure that you weren't hurt, obviously. Probably having a coach running down the hill after you, again, a little bit like cool running, screaming at you, saying, what are you doing? You know, get yourself back to the top and go again. And and genuinely, that was quite often how it worked. A lot of the coaches came out of the military as well. So you can probably start to tell the type of coaching and, and styles that we had within the sport. Um, but it was great. I, honestly, it was such a fun time. And I, I wouldn't say I miss it too much now. I might sound like I do. I, I, I miss the camaraderie. I miss the... I miss the team element to it, but right now, the opportunities that I have had as a result of bobsleigh and that therefore we're moving forward on with, with Race Nation have really come out from, from those early days of sport. You mentioned cool runnings. Uh, I, I, I wasn't going to mention it, but you mentioned it, so I'm going to have to ask the question. Do, do, do you find that film any good and is, is, it, is it realistic in any way? Do, do you know, if, if we had met in person and you'd mentioned Cool Runnings, I quite, I quite like trying to keep a straight face and <laughs> pretending I'd never heard of it and, and that side. But yeah, of course. Um, and, and actually, in reality, is, as a youngster, I used to love that film, yeah. but I had no intention or n I never had a dream of becoming a bobslayer. It just was by, by pure chance and a, little, a bit of a good fortune. But yeah, and, and, and actually, look, the, the film in itself was filmed out in Calgary in Canada. A lot of it. It's genuine, you know. Um, a lot of a lot of what happened is is based on a true story. Look, you know, they they have to bend the truth a little bit. I think you would never find them picking up a bobsleigh and putting it on your shoulders. The thing weighs three four hundred kilos. But um, yeah, look, I, I as a youngster, I used to love that film, and, and even now, it, it is quite entertaining to watch at Christmas time when it comes on the TV, and you actually get to see part of the circuit that we used to compete at and, 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 and be in. Wonderful, wonderful. Let's sort of come back up to date then and, and start talking about running and the event side uh, of running. Is there a, is there a favourite run that you have? You mentioned you were out this morning getting one in. Is there a, a favourite run that you've got, a memorable time that you can think of when you were, you were out running? Yeah, I, th I think actually I go back to the early days of, um, of, of COVID and, um, very fortunate to live just on the edge of the South Downs. And so prior to this, you know, I was a sprinter. Any aspect of long distance running that I did would negatively impact my sprinting ability. And so I, I really wouldn't in, during my career go on big long runs, but actually coming into to COVID, I found one, we had a bit more time. We were still doing a lot with virtual events and, and all the staff were still fully engaged. But I found myself having a bit more time to be able to go out and actually rediscover the pain that you feel in your lungs, I guess, when you go out for your long runs. And, and so the South Downs actually holds quite a special part for me in that because it was the first time that I had re-engaged with running, although obviously working in the industry, I hadn't really found myself out running a lot. And, and I started to set myself targets and the terrain was more trail rather than anything else. But I really then, as a result of that, started to get into, you know, first of all, my 5K, trying to get my 5K time down. And it just allowed me to have that element of refreshing thought time where, I, and I didn't find it before that. You know, I was just at a desk pushing hard with Race Nation and, and running gets me out there. Running gets that thought, those thoughts going and it allows you that time whilst thinking about, you know, can you actually make it to the end of your run, which is in my case at 105 kilos is, is the way. But um, there's a lot of decisions and a lot of thoughts and, a, and a, a lot of solutions to problems were solved on those runs in the early stages of COVID going out onto the downs and, um, and getting around. 
have you and your team seen people's attitude to, to running over the time you've, you've been at Race Nation? Have you seen it change? Have, have, you know, can you get a sense of, uh, or give us a sense of where you think sort of running and, and its relationship with people's lives and, you know, where that's going? Because I know you, you, you talked a lot about the data that you, you know, you and the team see. I mean, what is there anything else that you can kind of bring from that to us? Yeah, I, I, I think from there we are st- we're starting to see now, especially for the start of 2023, we're now starting to see all of those booking habits and everything else return to similar of, of pre-COVID. So all of those runners are coming back. And so what I think we're realising, and, and the world has changed a lot, you know, people are very busy and there is still life that people are catching up with weddings and funerals and holidays and, and everything else that goes with with life that we we missed out on on those years and so people are really busy and so what we're finding is that people are now looking and turning to running because it's not four or five hours out on a golf course it's not the day lost on on a cricket match and so we're, we're starting to see a lot of those people coming back to running and and actually getting themselves around a block park runs um, and everything else. So I think the consumer sentiment now is is certainly positive, and a lot of those runners that that might not have been doing anything seem to be appearing to to come back, and and possibly because the aspect of of busy lives means that they can get that quick run in, and and you can achieve a hell of a lot in 20, 30, 40 minute run, and it doesn't matter if that means that you do 2k, 5k, or 10k in that time because that's what, what people can do. And, and so we're, we're really starting to see a lot of that coming back. Is there anybody in the, in the running space that inspires you, that in the work that you're doing gives you energy and inspiration? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think personally I go back to, more, again, more of the shorter distance, more of the sprinting parts where I can I can take a lot of inspiration from a lot of my fellow athletes, a lot of my friends, a lot of my coaches in, in that. They, they inspire me. And I think really where the inspiration comes is is actually in a lot of my my goal setting of of today, um, and actually that goes back out to my my runs on the downs. You know, I would I would go out there to try and solve a problem based on the inspiration of seeing somebody else probably putting up a a Strava time of them running a five k or a ten k, and I'd the the athlete competitive aspect in me probably thought, well, I could do that. <laughs> Let's go and try and beat that person's time without them knowing it. Hmm. But actually the reality was it allowed me to break down what I was trying to achieve into into really certain stages and allowed me to really think quite clearly around goal setting. And, and I think the best example of that is I wanted to run a 5K time as quick as I could. And so I ran as fast as I could for 5K and I came in about 25 minutes. It was okay. It wasn't bad. It didn't set the world on fire. And so I wanted to get and I had no idea how quickly I could run 5K with some training. And after a while, I got to about 23 minutes and I was really starting to struggle to get that down. And I, so I set myself the goal of getting a 20-minute 5K. But just before that, I actually said to myself, well, running 23 minutes of a 5K, that's all right. Well, you know, you, you've done okay there. And then shortly after that, I said, well, wouldn't it be nice if I could run a 20-minute 5K? And... The reality was what I did there is I set myself a goal which was so far out of reach but felt achievable and I just worked my way towards it. And and look, I didn't actually get there. But where I got to was running just over 21 minutes as a 5K. And if so if I hadn't have set myself that goal 
of getting to 20 minutes as a 5K, I honestly think that I would have stayed at 23 minutes and stayed there because I hadn't set myself that target and achieved it. Whereas actually I set myself a goal that was a lot further away and I got to 21 minutes and, and, and a few seconds for that 5K, but I didn't quite make it. But would I have ever got to 21 minutes if I hadn't set the 20, 20 minute 5K target? Personally, I doubt it. And I think that's really where I take, I take a lot of my inspiration from on, on the running side is seeing something and the passion and energy that people put behind it, I then go and try and replicate that. And that idea of stretching goals, maybe knowing, as, as you described, that maybe maybe it's slightly out of reach, but the, the stretch allows you to perform at the best you you can. Yeah. And it, it, there's definitely something in that, isn't there, around when we set ourselves goals? I truly believe that. And I think that's so important for business as well. You know, businesses could aspire to get to a certain point with size or turnover or profitability and the reality is whatever got it it has to be within reach uh, and you know it can't be so unrealistic that it's just not going to get there but yeah I, th I think for for me setting that 20 minute target allowed me to get to 21 minutes and and look you know at that point I had to say to myself without without pushing myself injury-wise or, or dedicating more time than I than I had to dedicate to it, I was pretty chuffed with that. And like I said, I think you can take so many of those thoughts into business and set those targets that are just stretched. Because if you achieve, or if you aspire to achieve that far target, you will make inroads in getting towards that target. You might not get there, but you'll make inroads to it. If you just accept what you're comfortable with now as acceptable, then you will just pretty much stay there. There's something there, isn't there, about the journey and the process rather than the result and the goal because it's it's what you're doing to get to that stretch goal is more important than actually the goal itself in, in many ways because yeah. uh, it's, yeah, the goal's a measure, but even if you did get there, would you go after that? Is you, you, you try and shave another minute off? Yeah, li likely you would. You know, if I got to 20 minutes, I probably deep down would believe that I could get to 19 minutes 50. And so I'd go after that. Whereas actually the reality was I, I really tried my hardest to do everything I can in breaking down the training and everything to get to 20 and I just could not get there. But actually I still remember the day I stopped my watch at 21.03 and thought, oh hell, okay, yeah, there we go. I've, I've actually taken nearly two minutes just under two minutes off a time that I thought I was happy with at 23 minutes and that's yeah you're, you're right breaking it down in, into certain parts and and that just wasn't continuing to run 5ks around the block that was actually thinking when I got to 23 minutes that was probably less scientific just grit and bear it and run and maybe a few one and two k's here and there but just try and get quicker and quicker and run harder and harder Whereas reality is actually from 23 minutes to 21 minutes for me on that goal, I had to break it down into actually what did I actually need to work on for the longer term benefit. And so it forced me even into those shorter term goal settings, those little 1% as we used to call it in the sport world, the little 1% that added up to, to, to a lot more. And yeah, I, I, um, I still take that today, you know, as a business and I sit on the board of Race Nation, as, as you said, and, and, you know, we aspire to some pretty ambitious targets within, with, with, as a board and as a business. 
the reality is we we actually anticipate ourselves getting there and can see ourselves getting there but what what that what we do is we break that down into in into intermediary chunks and and certain milestones and to celebrate those wins along the way because otherwise if you don't if you don't celebrate those those in, intermediaries and the, those wins along the way then again that we'll find ourselves just trying to to grit it out to the end and and it's not always the smoothest path so so true and i think that that point there you make around the celebrating on the way and and be you know enjoying the journey rather than just this this big slog and, and we can't pause until we get to the other end and i think you know it, it does feel like and maybe it's it's a post covid thing that more and more people are finding ways to 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 enjoy the journey the experience rather than just the end bit it, it, i think it's it's a, it's a powerful thing you, you mentioned you know leadership we we're, we're talking about leadership what's what's your What's your style? Well, would you describe yourself as a, as a leader? And I'm curious as to all that, you know, athlete training, all that, you know, that stuff that you talked about, how that sort of travels into into your leadership style today. Yeah, I, I think, well, you know what? It's, there's probably one answer from myself and one answer from the team. Hopefully it's the same answer. No, I, I would say from my side, look, you know, we've, we've got a, a good sized team now. We've got 25 staff and across that we have to put in systems and processes and and so i'm i would say i'm quite a a systemized person um if that makes sense with regards to making sure those systems and processes are set and and the reason for that is we all aspire to grow and try and win more business and grow the size of the business and everything we want to do and and therefore we need to lay the foundations today that are way bigger and, and able to handle the growth without going through the pain in the future and so i guess my my style probably even heard from from our chats today you know it's it's very much based on experience going back to the sport days of we we leave no stone unturned but at the same time we have fun we we celebrate those wins along the way and, and that's what we we do as a team we get the team together as often as we can because everybody's based all over we've got a few different offices around the uk now and so we get them together as as much as we can and really from the team's point of view what we don't do is kick and scream and 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 get upset with with when things don't go our way. Um, what we do is we work out and we we take a look at it and we we understand why. And if there were things that we could do better, we fix those. And and if it was due to to other factors, then then we acknowledge that and we move on. And I think that's that's important in the modern business of of today is the way in which you need to run business, the way in which you have to engage with staff and look after staff is is now very different. Um, and we try and really be at the forefront of, of that and look after our staff as best we can because they they're the ambassadors for your business they're the ones that need to get up each morning and be inspired to to really push on and and not only just do their job but do their job with that passion and so from uh from, from there we try and keep that as as much as we can across the business by um keeping things fun, fun but challenging at the same time you know i get a sense of calm focus from talking to you in terms of you know in terms of your style would that be true would you say yeah very much so like absolutely you know I, I don't see personally any point in in not being calm there's no need to flap you know flapping only causes other people around you to flap um and and if I'm flapping then 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 they're going to be flapping and and so yeah calmness is is exactly how I I see that being quite an important part of my role is again to be there to be able to drive that focus and drive the ambition 
but being able to answer the questions calmly and, and be that problem solver. That That's really where my role comes in a lot. We, we've got an incredibly intelligent, able team. And so they can they can now do their daily jobs without me. And that's been a big growth path of Race Nation is, is actually building the team that has the knowledge to be able to crack on, uh, but also having the trust from the from, from the management to be able to crack on. And so we're very trusting. And at the same time, though, when problems do arrive, arise, that's where for myself, you know, I'm, I, I become that problem solver where we have to be met with, with, with anything that's thrown at us and, and, um, and deal with it in that calm way. In terms of mass participation sport, in terms of running events, are you seeing any sort of quirky, unique, different events coming through um, in, you know, the, the races and the events you support? Because, um, you know, we went through a period of things like, you know, Tough Mudders and, and, and those kind of challenges becoming a, a new sort of genre almost of, of running. Is there anything on the radar for people to look out? It's it's going to be a really interesting one. If again during during COVID, you saw this emergence of this virtual event. So you know we had races to the moon, races around the world, races across different US states, and what that was 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 us working with technology partners that allowed people to enter an event but not necessarily be in that location or cumulative steps of of a whole host of thousands of people actually meant that they could race to the moon and that sort of thing. And and somebody some somewhere sat down and worked out how far that was and and therefore how many steps it would take but um what we're seeing today i think i think it will again it'll be fascinating the landscape we're seeing a lot of trail running and an ultra running emerging um within the industry particularly in and around trail ultras ultra strong but also i think now that ocr school course racing is has entered in as as an olympic event it's going to be fascinating what that will bring as it's now recognized as an olympic sport Probably fair to say that OCR and mud run, mud run races were went through a massive boom, then went through a period, more recent period of 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 being less favourable or or not being as viable because they're actually quite expensive to deliver for the organisers, and that's what I'll be. I think that's the one I'll keep an eye on mostly. Really, is is that if there's going to be that resurgence of OCR off the back of it becoming an Olympic sport. How do people, I mean, you might not be able to answer this, but how do people get into that if they want to compete at, at that level, you know, the level that you were competing at uh, in, in your sport? You know, where do people go for, for that kind of thing? For, for OCR, it's going to, they're going to have to, there will be new federations that will be formed. I think there's already a couple of federations that have already been formed in the British side, but the British Olympic Association and committees will get involved. There'll be new national governing bodies that will be created and at that point then they go through a pretty well-trodden path of a national governing body has a certain athlete that they're going to look for and, and so they go through a talent id program of looking for uh, an athlete that can compete for great britain within ocr and they'll probably start with a lot of the entrance and the results of the uk's OCR event series, they'll probably start by inviting the people that finish in the top 50 or 100 to talent ID days. And, and from there, they'll then have a pretty set plan because regardless of the sport, the the journey into it from, from a talent ID is, although the, the metrics they look at will be different, the journey of that talent ID is, is pretty similar. Running aside, can you name, and you can't say 
race nation or, or you know your stuff a, an app uh, a tool a person maybe something that you you couldn't do without in in the business world oh yeah um there are so many pieces of technology that we now use but honestly i think let, let's leave chat gpt out of this i think that's an unfair addition on that because it's it's extremely clever but also it can get people into a lot of trouble if they just start writing things just on chat gpt the tool i would say that that would make people's lives as as easy as possible is canva as an online version of photoshop and an asset creation um, it's a very very clever tool that has a free free tier and a paid for tier but even the free tier gives anybody access to creating some pretty decent assets and make things look pretty good without paying for big designers and, and front end side. And uh, business aside, is there a favorite bit of running kit or an accessory um, that you can't do without? Yeah, I, for, for me, it was the transition into my, my ons, my running shoes, my ons from, from there. I've used them for many years and, and that really helped me. They they were very beneficial to me. So certainly my my ons are my go-to sets of trainers now that I, I don't really like going running without. Okay. Final question, Will. What, what advice would you give to anybody listening to this who's in a business role, a leadership position, and, and they're considering getting more active and taking up running? What would you say? I think running is is essential to, to, to that. Whether, as, as I said before, it's that 1K, 5K or 10 mile, it doesn't matter. It's just about getting out there and... and um, using that time after the initial period of getting going, you actually find yourself in, in this element of being able just to think clearly. And, and so I would, um, I would definitely, definitely recommend it. For me, it was about taking that thought time out of the shower, which only lasts a few minutes, uh, and taking it into a much longer run. Uh, and so I would definitely recommend um, just getting out there and using that headspace to be able to think clearly and, and and highly likely solve some or come up with solutions to some problems that um, you might not have got behind a desk. Will, thank you so much for your time. It's been fantastic to catch up. It sounds like there's there's a lot of interesting stuff with uh, Rates Nation and sports giving to look out for this year. Uh, best of luck with all that. Uh, we'll put, if people want to find out more about what you're doing, make sure the, the website and everything is in the show notes. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for your time today. That's great. No problem at all. It's been great. And uh, thanks very much for having me. Thanks to Will Golder for his time on Run the Business this week. I learned a lot from Will about running events, mass participation events. Fascinating to dig into some of the data with Will and learn a bit about consumer habits and stats around running from recent times. A big thing I took from that conversation, though, was Will's story about becoming a bobsleigh athlete and how seizing opportunities and getting things done Taking opportunities when they come along can change and shape your life. If you get an opportunity to do something, take it. Uh, Will also uh, told us about how he dealt with his injury, and that must have been a huge blow, but he, he talked about it in quite a pragmatic way about how he made that decision to, to retire when he weighed things up. It was also great to hear Will talk about the passion and energy he put into his running and the idea of setting goals that stretch you beyond maybe what's achievable to help you improve anyway. The fact he didn't get there didn't matter because the focus on it and the passion and the energy that he put into it helped him raise his game. If you accept what you're comfortable with, then you're not going to improve and, and how 
you get to a point where you weigh it up and go, is this worth continuing to pursue or am I happy with where I am at this point in time? And I think that conversation either with you know the people that you work with or internally is really important because becoming overly obsessive over something might knock out of balance other parts of your life which ultimately has a detrimental effect on who you are but I, I think kind of having that point where you weigh up is really important and if you want to be in the Olympics in 2028 then OCR could be something to get into right now. Run the Business is a Real 2 Media production. Thanks for listening. If you're not already doing so, please follow the podcast, download, comment, and share. I'd be super grateful if you could do that right now before you go off and do something else. Uh, Maybe you're off to go running. I'm Anthony Gay, and until next time, happy running and keep chasing your goals. 